Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. You are looking at a pair of faces or hearing a pair of voices that are bidding adios to their younger brothers. What the hell am I talking? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Kyle Alfrink here. My younger brother, Corey, leaves today for New Zealand. He's moving there with his wife. Ray, your younger brother, the Oakland A's, because you're a Giants guy, they're officially moving too. They, 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 they have not left. They haven't gotten the car. They haven't headed to Vegas just yet. But it is official. The, the A's, I guess, have been approved by Major League Baseball to move to Las Vegas. You're going to miss them, right? Sure. I wonder. I was wondering where you are going. I was like, is my brother moving somewhere? He didn't tell me. Ray does not have a younger brother, by the way. <laughs> oh, I do. No, I do. He is too. Oh, yeah, okay, you do. <laughs> he is too. Sure. Yeah, I was like, gosh almighty. He's taking the kids and he's fleeing to the different country. Um, I, you know, this whole thing, it's just like, I don't, where are the A's going to play? They have a lease for 2024, right? One more year. Right. One more year. One year. And there is venom hatred. I mean, no, what everyone is furious about this. I can't imagine them saying, Oh yeah, play a couple more years here. I I just can't envision it happening. So I don't know where they're going to end up playing. Are they going to end up playing some triple A facility with 6,000 seats, you know, pull a, Hey, uh, coyotes where they're playing in the college i don't know what they're gonna do um it's a sad day for the barrier there's still people talking about litigation like it's become a whole big mess um because i think basically the ownership um did a money grab uh major league baseball 30 to 0 voted for the move <laughs> i don't know how the stadium's gonna work there's yeah. still debate about the stadium there's still debate about where the seating is gonna be there's still debates about where cars are gonna go it's a tiny little lot uh, where they're trying to do this whole thing. So we'll see how it plays out. But uh, this is not likely to go smoothly, Kyle. Yeah, I, th- I think the stadium in Vegas is set to open in 2028. So to follow up your point, that would be three seasons mm-hmm. where the A's wouldn't have an official home. Now, you noted college, UNLV's there. There is a AAA team in Las Vegas. I know Sacramento has been mentioned a bit, which how far is Sacramento from Oakland? A couple of hours? Uh, from Oakland, it's probably about 55, 60 miles. Oh, so it's not too bad. So you could still maybe fool a couple of A's fans. <laughs> I mean, well, like the Sacramento Kings went there and people followed it for a little, you know, 75 yeah. miles, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other holdup could be, because I saw this this morning when reading about the approval, you know, it, it, when baseball says, okay, you can go. Okay, you think it's it's done. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. There is a push in Nevada to, because um, the legislator gave like $400 million to the A's to help build their stadium to help them move. Uh, there is a push by the public at large, or at least some organization, uh, to put that approval up on the ballot next November. So, you know, the, the legislature said, hey, here's 400 million bucks. But they're trying to get it to where the citizens, Ray, have to sign off on the 400 million bucks. And honestly, if they don't get the $400 million, they're probably still moving. It just delays the move. It, it becomes what? another hurdle. And, you know, they were saying there's a lot been made of the fact, obviously, that the last Major League Baseball team to move ever, I mean, is, is the Montreal Expos, right? So yeah. there haven't been a lot of this. I don't remember that directly because obviously I'm living 30 miles away from where the A's play, but um, it's such a mess. Like it's, you know, what do you do in the interim? Like we're talking about, there's years here of trying to figure out all this stuff. And it's not, you know, we start then talking about competitive balance. 
right? You know, we had a scenario where, you know, the uh, the Blue Jays were playing in that AAA facility and they're hitting yeah. a home run every six minutes because the park was <laughs> tiny and, you know, the players themselves get pissed off because there's six showers instead of 20. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's a mess and with everyone, everyone wants their money. Let's just, <laughs> everyone wants their money. Um, my understanding is the A's basically, when they presented this to, to Las Vegas, basically presented a plan saying they're going to do A, B, and C. They're going to make all this money. They're going to give this money back to the city. All this kind of, they're going to generate this revenue, jobs and all that with like a 99% occupancy rate for selling tickets, which is <laughs> impossible. In, it's just not so. Well, I think it's a smaller stadium. It's, it's like only 30, like, yeah, like 30,000, 30, 35,000. Yeah. Yeah. 99% occupancy? I don't. Not that people in Vegas won't want to go to an A's game on a Tuesday afternoon, but, <laughs> you know, so... We'll see, but uh, most of the stuff that this A's organization with the new leadership has done has not been well-received, and I'm kind of thinking it might go that way in Vegas. Maybe I'll be wrong. Well, one last thing on this, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of uh, today's podcast. Ray, I noted your your little brother, your younger brother. You're a born and raised Giants fan. Mm -hmm. um, now, it always in the last 15 years, the Giants were the big story. But growing up, Ray... The Giants were kind of the little brother, right? I mean, the A's were the team with history, yeah. with successful teams. The Giants were not a bad organization, but they didn't have the success of the A's. Will you miss them? Will you miss having the A's across the bay? Well, I, I know people in Oakland will, and mm -hmm. fans will. How about you? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, did they win the World Series in 72, 3, and 4? I'm trying to look that up. I think that's when they won. Um and I was born in 73, so it was right at the start of my life. When I was a kid in the 70s, the Giants were a joke, like you said. Like, they didn't get any. I've told the story here. The, the 49ers couldn't sell tickets. They gave my grandfather season tickets or winning a local golf tournament. Like, it's, <laughs> not even the Niners could draw fans. They, they were terrible then, too. Um, I'm Because I'm born and raised as a Giants fan, I've probably gone to 15 A's games in my life. Like, I just yeah. haven't. You know, they're not my thing. So will I miss them? No, uh, I won't. But I know a lot of people in the Bay Area will because it's not one of those areas where you're like a baseball fan. You're an A's fan or a Giants fan. Like there's not many people that are both. And yeah. there's a lot of inferiority on the East Bay because while Oakland's a great city, and I've lived there before, while it's a great city, it's not San Francisco. Like no one comes to California to the Bay Area and goes, oh, let's go visit Oakland, right? So <laughs> I think it's going to be tougher for the people on the East Bay losing their team than it will be for us on the on the West side. Well, they'll have a lot of extra money laying around, so maybe they can uh, make Oakland a little more exciting for the general public, you know, for the general traveler that makes their way out there. But uh, anyway, I wanted to start there. Uh, good luck to the A's. Good luck to my brother as well. I, I didn't even know, right? You know my brother. Did you know he was moving to New Zealand? No, I, obviously I, I don't maintain contact with him. Uh, hung out with them before, you know, yeah. spent time with them. He used to come on the show on Sirius with us, talk hoops, all that kind of stuff. But no, yeah, I don't remember hearing he's moving halfway around the world. Yeah, well, you've got a place to stay if you want to take a, uh, what is that, about a 14-hour flight for you to get well, to New Zealand? <laughs> well, we, we watch House Hunters International all the time. If we move, I know where we're going to stay while we're looking at houses. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, he was out there a few weeks ago. His wife moved uh, earlier. She has a job. He was out there. And the one thing that stood out, Ray, is like for four straight days. And she's kind of out. She's not in the big city. She's kind of out in the rural landscape of New Zealand. For four straight days, he said the wind was howling continually at like 80 to 90 miles an hour. Ooh, like cutting really? through the, the mountain passes off the ocean. He said, he, he said it was very difficult to sleep. 
because the wind was just constantly howling all night long. He must be in love. That doesn't yeah, that doesn't sound too pleasant. He's married. I love. I, he's married. I kid. I kid. But uh, anyway, he's leaving today. He, he he was the other thing with traveling to New Zealand. For those who don't know, uh, Ray, he will not have a Friday. He uh, leaves today. He lands on Saturday in New Zealand. His Friday, November seventeenth. He won't have one. Wow. <laughs> He'll just disappear into the ether. Uh, but anyway, good good luck to everybody, A's, Corey, all those folks, and uh, let us move on to the matter at hand. we got Thursday night football tonight. Let's give you a rundown of uh, what we've got coming your way. Uh, Thursday night football, Ryan Clifford going to join us with a little look at a, a very important game on Thursday night football. The Ravens hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Bengals are going to be without T. Higgins, so that may open up some opportunities for a few other offensive pieces with the Bengals. We'll see if Ryan has some insight there. Get you the latest on some NFL injuries. Noah Brown, one of the big hot pickups this week. What do you know? He's now a question mark, I guess, for the weekend to come. Over at FantasyGuru.com, we want to spotlight an article. Uh, by our buddy Mike Horn. And Ray Ray hates place kickers, but I do not. So I, I, I wanted to at least mention place kickers here on the pod, which, Ray, have we done that in three weeks? Have we once mentioned place kickers in three weeks? I don't think we have. Only if, with Scorn if we did. Yeah, I don't think we have either. Uh, I might have mentioned... Justin Tucker. Uh, I, I might have mentioned... Uh, is it Jason Sanders? Or who who is yeah. it with Seattle? I'm trying to think. Uh, Myers? Who, Myers, Jason Myers, uh, who's got a streak of like he's hit a field goal like 27 straight games, which is actually impressive. Mm -hmm. I know McCaffrey for the touchdown record gets all the love, but hitting a field goal in that many straight games is, is darn impressive. But we will talk about uh, something that if you played fantasy football for any amount of time, you've probably given up on the idea of figuring out which place kicker to draft um, or which place kicker to add during bye weeks. Like, like just this week, I had to release um, Young Hoon Koo of, of Atlanta because they're on a bye. He's been doing good this year, but I'm not going to hold on to two kickers. So I released him, and it's like, well, who do I pick up? I don't know who I'm picking up. But but we will take a look at perhaps an answer to finding place kickers. Um, and then we got baseball talk. Uh, we got our news yesterday. Ray and I talked about who's going to win the NL Cy Young. Ended up going to Blake Snell. Today, Ray... We will find out American League and National League MVP winners. Mm -hmm. uh, the National League MVP race is a good one, too. Uh, kind of a split decision. I don't know. We'll have to see the voting. But Betts versus Acuna is a really difficult vote going into uh, the, the release tonight. Yeah, and I, I just want to bring this up. I, I saw someone on, on Twitter X mention this uh, today, or yet last night. Uh, Blake Snell's won two signing awards which is two more signing awards than complete games he has in his career. <laughs> that is an awesome stat. Isn't more that Cy Young awards than complete games. Yeah, for a guy who started in 2016. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. I think that, you know, in the fantasy space, there's no debate. It was Acuna over Betts. Betts was fantastic. But yeah. Acuna had a dynamic fantasy season that was really, since we started playing fantasy baseball, you know, in the 80s, basically, one of the greatest fantasy seasons of all time. Uh, in the real world, we had, you know, he was great. Mookie Betts is interesting. I don't think Betts is going to win. I think it's going to be Acuna. But Betts played shortstop. He played second base. He played the mm -hmm. outfield. Like his value to, to his team was so high for everything he did on the offensive side as well as the defensive side, pal. And uh, on the AL side, I'm interested in Ray Flowers' take, and we'll get to this near the end of the show. Ray is a, a big believer 
that pretty well when Shohei Otani has a good year, Shohei Otani should be the MVP. So, so I, I assume that's the direction Ray is leaning. But Otani did miss the last month plus, and that perhaps allowed some other guys to catch up. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, AL MVP release. And again, I think that's at 6 o'clock Eastern tonight. So a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball. Ryan Clifford with us as well. As always, we remind you, FSD20, FSD20, 20% off everything at fantasyguru.com. So if uh, you're looking for uh, some of the the deep impact stuff, the deep analysis, the uh, cheat sheets, the DFS breakdowns, it's all available and at a a cheaper rate, 20% off of everything at fantasyguru.com. Just use that promo code FSD20. Okay, Ray, let's uh, start with some news and notes, some injuries. A lot of DMPs on Wednesday. Noah Brown, Damian Pierce, Alexander Madison, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Gibson, Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett. Probably the biggest one is Noah Brown because, Ray, that was a guy that two days ago everybody was trying to add. Everybody was trying to gobble up. Everybody wanted a piece of Noah Brown who's had back-to-back games of 150 yards receiving, actually more than 150 yards receiving. Uh, now we have to sit and wonder if if we can trust Noah Brown going into the weekend. Yeah, it's fascinating. I started my write-up, uh, the Coffin Corner piece. It's over at fantasyguru.com on Fridays. And again, you can use that promo code FSD20 that Kyle mentioned to sign up. Noah Brown's yards per target mark leads football. If you add the yards per target mark up of Tank Dell and Garrett Wilson, you get the same mark as Noah Brown. Like That's Ooh. how insane he has been here. Uh, 21 receptions for 439 yards and only 28 targets. He's been fantastic the last couple of weeks in particular with Nico Collins dealing with some physical things. Brown has been added, right? It's Thursday morning and the waivers have run. Now the question is, you know, how much of an issue is this? Is he going to miss snaps? Is he going to miss the game? I don't get the sense right now that he's going to miss the game. Like that's not where I'm at right now, but it's Thursday morning and we'll have to follow this closely. It will be fascinating to see because I think everyone that adds him, you know how this goes, Kyle. No one adds him to not start him, right? If Noah Brown's active, everyone's playing him. And it's like, well, if Nico Collins is back and we're talking about a guy who's getting six or seven targets without Nico Collins, does he get five? So I think we have him listed as a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four this week in the early rankings at fantasyguru.com. And I, you know, I want to disagree with it, but I really can't. Well, and, and you bring up the idea of when you add a guy, you want to use a guy. And you're totally right. Everybody spends money and, and you know, it's just like the brand new toy. You, you want to play with it. You want to send it out there. Um, those two running backs that are still injured, Damian Pierce still missing practice. And Alexander Madison, uh, DMP concussion protocol. Both those guys, I would say, Ray, and again, we're two, three days out. But, mm-hmm. but I would kind of lean towards saying they'll miss the game this week. Which brings up two guys that people were adding this week, and they're going to want to start them this week. Devin Singletary with the Texans, who's had one good game this year. Like, literally one usable game. The other games have been dog crap for Devin Singletary. But last week was really good. He exploded, in fact. Uh, So people got him. They want to use him. And Ray Ty Chandler, who got more work last week than we've seen all season long. Both these guys are... You see them explode, if you will, in week 10, right? And you kind of wonder, one week wonder or, or, or what? But I think both guys probably start again this weekend. What do you see as the outlook for both guys this weekend in terms of the fantasy production? Yeah, it's a great and important question. And I think that as we sit here right now, both Chandler and Singletary, I agree with you, Madison and Pierce, I'm not expecting to play at this time. 
maybe that changes. That's where I'm at right now. So it would be Singletary and Chandler. If someone's asking me a question today, it's better to ask later in the week. But if you're asking me today, those would be the two guys I would go with. Uh, the case of Chandler to me is the most fascinating because, the, and Jeff Mann has talked a lot about this on the Elite Sports Show on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. The show is Monday through Friday from 3 to 5 Eastern. The Vikings on the surface have not been effective running the football. I think a lot of that has to do with Alexander Madison, to be fair. Uh, and then they went to Cam Akers, who we we've talked about too. Like those two guys have one combined rushing touchdown. Like, come on, man. Offense is different now. They've got Dobbs versus Cousins. We're still unclear if they're getting Jefferson back this week. So there's a lot of moving parts here. But what we do know is the offensive line, according to Jeff's model, does grade out much better with the Vikings than the performance has been there to date. Okay, mm. so they should be more effective running the ball. The offensive line is not doing poorly. The addition of Dobbs does cause the defense to have to account for things differently, right? We'll be looking at a more balanced attack. We've talked about it. We're not throwing 40 passes like with Cousins. We want to throw 30 passes with, with Josh D. And you look at the matchup with Denver, and this is skewed a little bit because of the game where they got, you know, torched for 70 points. <laughs> 70 points, points will do that, yeah. <laughs> it will. Yes, it will. But they still allow the most points to the running back in a half-point PPR setup per game. Um, they've allowed four receiving scores to the running back, which is the second most in football. And they've allowed 5.8 yards per carry, which is a full yard more than any other team. So I'm slightly more excited about Tyson Chandler than I am about Devin Singletary. I think both of them are on the, the flex RB2 border this week. Yeah, I, I don't think Singletary is all that good. I'm kind of a little more in on Chandler. But, Ray, you know where I'm going. It's quantity, and both these guys should have it. As long as Pierce and Madison are out, both these guys are looking at double-digit carries. Yep. They just are. And that's hard to deny in week 11 of the NFL season because everybody else is scrambling for running backs. And, and, and if you pick these guys up, you're probably someone who is scrambling to find bodies to put into your RB spot on your fantasy team. So I think for a vast majority of the Singletary and, and Chandler owners, it's not that I love their matchup or I think these guys are world beaters or like all pro level players. They're not, but opportunity, you know, that, that chance to get double digit touches should be there for both of them. Um, other injuries we're dealing with uh, Chicago. Uh, they're in Detroit this week. Justin Fields pretty well set to play, but the backfield's an issue. Uh, Donta Foreman with an ankle. Khalil Herbert, I, I guess we got a shin injury now. Remember, he'd missed four or five weeks with a high ankle sprain. So both these guys are question marks. Uh, Devin Achan uh, is ready to practice. He's limited. We don't know if he's going to be activated for week 11. How about Christian Watson, who's been one of the bigger disappointments this year, Ray? Um, we now have a shoulder injury, which means we've had shoulder, chest, back, hamstring and knee what else is there with christian watson we, we got finger thumb this that's crazy five different injuries 11 weeks into the season i think last week in my breakdown it just went up over at fantasyguru.com my matchup article uh it's usually like fourteen thousand words graphs charts all that kind of stuff uh i think last week for the injury i always note the injuries i think last week i just put body like i didn't even <laughs> specify because it's like this is just something um, it's fascinating to see in, and you know, you want to be diverse on offense, but there's a limit to that. And I don't know if this is Jordan love. I don't know if this is the coaching staff. I don't know if this is just the disarray, the offenses in with the Packers, but the last four games, listen to the target totals. The last four games, Watson, 22, Romeo Dobbs, 22, Aaron Jones, 22, 
Jaden Reed, 19, Luke Musgrove, 16. Like, there's no alpha wow. here. And you don't have to have an alpha to win, okay? You don't. But you also don't want to have your two starting wide receivers, your starting tight end, and your starting running back all getting the same amount of looks. Like, you really want to establish something. And I think part of the problem has been the fact that Christian Watson can't stay healthy. Yeah. And he's beat up all the time. And let's be very clear about this. Christian Watson, who went bananas for four games last season, has one touchdown in 10 games. Huh. One. He has done nothing. He has been a suck-ass fantasy option way longer than he's been a great fantasy option in his young career. Now, there's a lot going on, injuries, quarterback play, coach, you know, all this stuff. Okay, I get it. But the fact of the matter is he's barely rosterable. He's, no, he's nowhere near startable. He's barely rosterable. He's done nothing, basically, besides those four games. The suck-ass description, right? I, I thought that was only reserved for, like, Latavius Murray. But no. And, and Josh Gordon. Well, Josh Gordon. I mean, he's the eternal suck-assery, you know, there. Wow, Christian Watson, suck at you heard it from Ray Flowers. Uh, a couple of other things. Let's see. Um, Arizona claiming Michael Carter off waivers. Why the heck not? He was released by the Jets earlier in the week. Uh, how about Cleveland? We we talked a lot about this yesterday, Ray. And I was working under the assumption PJ Walker would be the QB. How wrong I was. The rookie, Dorian Thompson Robinson, will be the starting QB. Uh, I'll say this right now. He may get the start in, in week 11. Ray, if we've got, what do we got, seven games left, I guess, for the, the Browns? They, they may have uh, four starts for Walker and three starts for Thompson Robinson. This is, if they're willing to turn to Dory and Thompson Robinson, who we have seen this year, and it was one of the more terrible QB performances we've seen. You know, it's kind of in that Tommy DeVito world from that game against the Jets. Uh, th this could get really ugly for the Browns. If, if they're that unwilling to go to Walker, who on the surface, Ray, it just appears he's the better bet, but instead they're going to go with the rookie, the fifth round pick, I think out of UCLA. And I guess they'll give him a shot here for the next week or two. I mean, this is bad. And I, I would say this, I, the Browns are probably really upset that the Rams signed Carson Wentz. <laughs> uh, this. Yeah. We assumed it was Walker yesterday. I think everyone did. I didn't see a single report in the morning yesterday. When we were talking about the injury to Watson. That didn't suggest that PJ Walker would be the guy taking over. They went with DTR. Uh, I think that what we have seen from both guys this season, and again, very limited work, but what we have seen from both these guys this season is I'm quarterback 30, 31, or 32. Like, they're not good. And there's athleticism with DTR, and, you know, maybe he has, you know, maybe he surprises us and he throws for 175 yards and runs for 16 to touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, if these things are possible. But uh, he did not look remotely ready in that start that he made earlier this season against the Ravens. Difficult matchup, okay. Um, but he didn't look ready. The offense is going to change dramatically. P.J. Walker is not very good. Um, the offense is in disarray, and they're going to have to lean on Hunt, on Ford, and Pierre Strong as well because their offense is not likely to work through the air. Yeah, we, we said it yesterday, and we'll reiterate it today. Uh, Ford and Hunt, they're starters. Because you just look at Cleveland, it's like, what else are they going to do? They, they, gotta, they are apt to run the football anyway. So they're not scared to, like, go crazy with running the football. So uh, they should be one of those teams this week. When you you look at the pass versus rush breakdown, they'll probably be more heavy on the run, uh, which a few teams every week do that. Uh, last week, Pittsburgh was huge on the run, 36 to 24. Could be very similar for the Cleveland Browns. And what do you know? Both those teams meet <laughs> coming up 
on Sunday. Uh, one other bit of news, K.J. Osborne is back for the Vikings. He was on the field. He's been dealing with concussion but returned to practice. And Frank Reich, head coach for the uh, Carolina Panthers. Ray, he has reassumed the offensive play calling duties. Remember, he gave them up a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. They got to try a new voice. Uh, who was it? The offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown. So Reich said, okay, you take it. You mm -hmm. see what you can do with this. Thomas Brown running the offense, Ray, 30 drives, two touchdowns. So Frank Wright says, okay, there's your opportunity back to me. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, is this going to make a difference? Eh, you know, but <laughs> you know, when you're when you're when you don't give your head coach a reason to allow you to continue doing it, you understand why the decision was made. It's rough though. It's like I get what do you get? Three games, two games? Yeah, yeah. Difficult. I mean, and let's be fair, Bryce Young is not really ready either i mean yeah. you know so yeah it's but you know how this goes just like with the the bills you got to blame somebody and you don't blame the guy you're expecting to lead your franchise uh carolina this week is um who are they up against carolina oh there they are dallas they're home against dallas i think the panthers not the win but they could actually uh cover the spread it's about 10 and a half right now i think the panthers may surprise us a bit on Sunday. The week begins, week 11 later tonight. A uh, big one in the AFC North. The Bengals are on the road in Baltimore. We're about five minutes away from checking in with our man, Ryan Clifford, to get a DFS preview. Before that, Ray, obviously, when you think of the Ravens, you think of Justin Tucker. Like, he's their, he's their number one scorer. He's a stud. Uh, even for the Bengals, Evan McPherson. Ray, this leads to talking about place kickers. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to spend a don't, don't turn us off, people. Don't put the earmuffs on. Only a few minutes here. But I want to point people in the direction of Mike Horn column over at fantasyguru.com. I think it's available to uh, subscribers. Mm -hmm. So again, FSD 20, 20% off. And this is going to be a column you want to want to dig up. But but in effect, Ray, uh, for years now, decades, how do I choose a place kicker? And And I have put very little thought into this, Ray. For me, my thought is this. Like when we're drafting in August, uh, give me a guy who's on a good offense. It helps if he kicks in a dome and I'd love a late bye week. That's it. That That's the strategy. I don't even know if it's worked. I, I haven't given it. I haven't even looked Ray. but Mike Horn has a slightly different strategy and he actually decided to see if it works. Um, his strategy is find a kicker who is on a team with a good defense mm -hmm. and who is on a team that likes to run the football. And I, I guess the argument is games are closer if you have those two qualities going for your team. Uh, points are, you know, you're more desperate for points, so you're willing to settle for three points in a close game because, you know, you, you don't need the touchdown to win. You need the three points to win. And so he put this into practice, and he looked at like seven or eight years of numbers, Ray, and he didn't say, hey, my theory is 100% correct. But according to the column, and people can read it, he, he feels pretty good about the theory. He, he felt about 75 to 80% correct on his theory. What do you think of Mike Horn's theory there to go for kickers who kick for a good defense and to go for kickers who are on a team that likes to run the football? And I'll also say this. We have the all-in football package over at fantasyguru.com, meaning from here through the Super Bowl, the whole way through the Super Bowl, you get all our football coverage for seasonal and for DFS. So both, all the way through the Super Bowl. That's $99.99 right now. So if you want to read Mike, Ar Mike Horn's article, if you want to get advice, like Ryan Clifford's going to come up and talk Thursday Night Football, that's included. 
the all-in NFL package to the Super Bowl. It's 99-99, seasonal and DFS. I think that Mike Horn does great work. Just straight up, he does great work. And, you know, he's he's kind of, you know, he he's our assassin, right? He kind of lays in the weeds. He does this work behind the scenes, and boom, he drops something on you. And I, I love the fact that with all – and you read his articles, and you're impressed about the math and all yeah. the – you know, he's clearly di- di- diving into this. And don't do other positions, but he does kickers, which I really appreciate. <laughs> I really, and you know, it's counterintuitive, right? Like you should carving out right. a niche is yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, because your your advice, your three point advice of how you pick a kicker, that's probably as deep as anyone goes. People probably don't <laughs> may only use two of those or one of those, right? But Mike dives in, and in theory, it makes sense, right? You're because your offense moves the ball, but it's not touchdown producing, and you know, you just think about Ravens, like we all think Justin Tucker, just think how the Ravens play. They're winning games 21 to 17, and it's always close in the fourth. So the theory makes sense. And it's great to see him go through all the data here, like you said, over years. And he's got charts and graphs and all this kind of stuff. And basically coming to the conclusion that the general theory is more right than not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he found a better correlation if the kicker's with a defense, a defense that's really positive. Now, there is correlation with the offenses that run and run and run, but a better correlation if you get a kicker from a team with a good defense. And I will add, I, I feel like, Ray, if you want to embrace this strategy, again, we invite everybody to check out the column. You can decide for yourself. But it's almost like an in-season strategy. You know, when you get to those bye weeks or if your kicker gets injured and you look – because, Ray, we always go to the waiver wire, and nobody's carrying, I hope not, more than one kicker. So every week, what, you see teams with more Someone than one Someone told kicker. me they held Bucker through the bye week. I was like, eesh. I got Bucker off the waiver wire this week because somebody dumped him last week. Right. Um, so, Ray, anytime you go to the waiver wire, you're probably looking at at least 16 kickers. Like half the league is available every time you go to the waiver wire. So this may help a bit. And specific to this year, the best spots for place kickers, uh, what do we got? Baltimore, surprise, surprise, Cleveland, um, and San Francisco. Those three teams fit the best in terms of good defense and running. I looked at Yahoo as the numbers I had available, right? Like Jake Moody of the the 49ers, he's only 32% owned. Mm -hmm. You know, some other names on this list – Brandon McManus of Jacksonville, they're in a good situation too with that combo defense and running, 43% owned. Uh, Blake Group of New Orleans, 13%. Uh, let's see. Oh, Anders Carlson. Now, I'm probably saying that name and people. He's the kicker for the Packers. Mm-hmm. He's 1% owned. Matt Amendola of Houston, 6%. Like all these teams, if you follow Mike Horn's reasoning, are kind of like the place to be for kickers. And those guys are free right now. So for those who are, you know, you don't have coup this week or whoever the heck it is, maybe look at those guys and, and see if they're available. Yeah. And I, number one, I'll say this too. I haven't said it. Number one, we shouldn't use kickers in fantasy. Oh, number, yes, we should. No, no we shouldn't. Number yes, two. Razor on. NFL teams shouldn't use kickers, number two. Because um, <laughs> we have all these huge athletes running around and then the soccer player determines who wins the game. Uh, but number three, we a lot of leagues still do. I think the majority of leagues probably still use kicker and defense, to be oh, honest, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, any and it, and it sounds dumb, but people make moves all the time, especially on the trade market, to gain like two points. Like there's a six-person trade, and in the end, they gain two points at wide receiver. It's like, okay, you went through a lot to do that. 
in the kicker spot, you can gain two points a week. Yeah. You really can't. You might be able to gain more. So I know that reading these articles from Mike Horn or thinking about this, no one does it. But really, if you're grinding out and trying to get a victory, this is an area that most people overlook. And at fantasyguru.com, we don't, and it can really help you. Uh, the column by Mike, do run and defense teams score more kicker fantasy points? So uh, check it out, fantasyguru.com, and uh, search for your answer. Um, I, I will say one thing, right? I am in a league with no kicker and no defense. One thing I truly dislike about it, and I think you're in this same league. It's one of our Sirius XM host leagues. One thing I really dislike about it, Ray, is is that a 14 team or 12 teamer that I think we're it's in? 14, yeah. There is nobody on the waiver wire because the roster is still the same size, mm-hmm. but people don't have to save a spot for a kicker or a defense. And so they're just loading up on random receivers and running backs, and there's literally nobody at the skill positions available. I never thought of it that way, Ray, but when you eliminate the kicker and defensive positions, I feel you're also eliminating the the waiver wire selections. Like it, it's it's dead because everybody gets an extra kick or extra receiver or two extra running backs because they don't have to carry that defense or kicker anymore. Now you would like to think that people are smart in grabbing players. Like I have Ty Chandler everywhere because I I said look Madison's not getting it done. Cam Akers got hurt, so I have Ty. I know that some people have Ty Chandler in setups like that because they needed a running back and they had an open spot. So you'd like to think people do it because there's a plan. Sometimes there's not. But I think it's also like we deal with in baseball all the time. There's leagues that have IL spots, right? And some have three, some have five, some have unlimited. And when I'm in these, you know, 14, 15 team leagues. Well, you don't have, we have unlimited IL spots. There's no one on the waiver wire. Yeah. Instead of having 30 players on your roster, you end up with 39 because <laughs> of all the injuries. And then there's no one. So there is a balancing act. and. Yeah. People need to decide, you know, how they want to run it. But your point is a valid one on the surface. And I'm not saying that's a reason you should have kick, but I'm just saying there are negatives to any strategy. Yeah. You know, it's not always positive. And that's one that, you know, again, not having been in many of those leagues, I've really noticed uh, in, in a league with no kicker and no defense required that, that it does make a difference on that waiver wire. Okay, let's move ahead and uh, stay at fantasyguru.com. Um, on this Thursday, you can expect probably in the next hour or two, Uh, Ryan Clifford's column to go up, taking a look at Thursday night football for the first time in a while. We got a game that I think everybody's going to watch. Even my wife is going to be forced to watch a little bit of this. That's the plan. We'll we'll see if that holds up. Uh, Baltimore hosting Cincinnati. Big game. We've got big talents as well on both sides of the football. And our big talent when it comes to DFS showdowns, uh, Ryan Clifford is with us here on FSD. Ryan, uh, good morning to you. Good to have you back on. Uh, Finally, we get a game that's kind of exciting to break down, right? Yeah, we hope so. Let's hope. <laughs> T. Higgins, not here. Uh, I know Tyler Boyd was big last weekend. Do you see a follow-up for him against the Ravens tonight? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think Tyler Boyd, is is he was on the field, I think, 90% of the offensive snaps last week. So um, certainly want to look at Boyd, uh, Chase for sure. Um, and then uh, Trent Irwin is a guy for showdown purposes. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, he likes to make big plays. We saw it last year. He wasn't on the field much, but when he was, he's was always uh, getting those big receptions downfield. So uh, Trent Norwood's another guy to look at. That's going to be super low owned, cheap. Uh, yeah. I, there's a lot that's made of uh, Ryan trains during, you know, the DFS play where the optimizers spit out lineups and everyone kind of has that. And you kind of try to diversify on a showdown slate. 
it's hard to diversify, right? Because there's only two teams we're looking at. Is a guy like Irwin, so your expectation is a guy like Irwin isn't going to be one of the hot-button players. Everyone tries to stiff stuff in there. You think he's still, because of all the talent elsewhere, especially at the wide receiver position, he's not going to be highly owned tonight? I don't think he'll be highly owned because we've got guys like Keaton Mitchell on the slate. <laughs> That's a uh, pretty low, uh, low price, and I think he's going to be extremely popular tonight. We've got, uh, let's see, Tyler Boyd's at 6,800 over at DraftKings, and Zay Flowers at 7,600. If you had to make a decision between one of those two guys, who do you favor? Uh, does the $800 in salary make a difference to you and tilt you toward Boyd? Or would you feel more comfortable with Zay Flowers? I like Flowers just because I, I don't like this matchup for the Bengals. Um, uh, Ravens got a tough defense, kind of fell apart last week uh, against the Browns. But in general, they've had a pretty good defense. They're top 10 in both pass and run defense this, this year so. Um, I think I lean towards Flowers kind of as the wide receiver one, you know, A and Boyd being the two and then, you know, matchup based. I think it, it would lean towards Flowers for sure. You know, back to that Keaton Mitchell thing that you brought up, um, 5,600 bucks and all the hype we've seen over the last couple of weeks, big plays. Gus Edwards is 7,000. I, I mean, Mitchell is going to be all over lineups tonight. Does Does Gus Edwards, is he... Is he worth saying, I'll be different there? I'll, I'll pass on Mitchell and go Gus Edwards? Or do you say, hey, that's not the place to be different? Maybe embrace the idea of Mitchell at 5,600. No, I like that play a lot. I like pivoting to Edwards because he's higher priced. He's going to be much lower owned. He's still going to get the goal line work. Um, you know, John Harbaugh came out and said Mitchell will be more involved in the offense. Well, Gus Edwards still had twice as many snaps as Mitchell did last week. So, um until we see, you know, it, uh, Mitchell just doesn't really have the build to be that feature back. So I still think this is Edwards' backfield as far as getting a majority of the snaps and rushes and especially that goal line work. So I, I do like that, uh, Edwards over Mitchell for sure. Talking Thursday Night Football with Ryan Clifford. You you look at the slate here. We've got Jamar Chase at 11,000, Lamar Jackson at 10,8, Joe Burrow at 10,000. And there's Joe Mixon at 9,600. Mixon does have the build of a lead back. Mixon does get all the snaps. Mixon does get all the touches, but really hasn't done a hell of a lot this year. And this is not an easy matchup going up against the Ravens. How do you view Mixon tonight? Again, he's fourth on the slate in terms of price as well. Yeah, he's, he's I don't know if the Bengals just don't want to get their run game going or, you know, haven't been able to, but extremely frustrating. He was my highest owned player in DFS last uh, on Sunday's main slate and just killed me. Um, I think on the short week, he didn't see much work last week. So I think that there is hope that, you know, he does, especially T. Higgins out again. Joe Burrow is dealing with something, wearing a hand brace on his throwing hand. Um, so I think there is some merit to, you know, Joe Mixon potentially getting a, a much higher workload than he's seen in the past few weeks. You know, Ryan, the uh, captain call is uh, so critical. And I know over at DK, I don't know if this is different at FanDuel. But a lot of times in a game like this, it's like, oh, Lamar Jackson, you know, the passing and rushing threat. But he is not the most expensive captain. It's actually Jamar Chase. Is that pretty rare that a wide receiver is, is the most expensive uh, captain call? I always feel like I'm looking at running backs and QBs. Like, I'm sure it's happened, but how rare is it that a wide receiver is kind of the most expensive captain? Yeah, it's generally with these guys like Chase and Justin Jefferson and Cooper okay. Cup that you'll see them kind of – 
price more than the quarterback. So you're right, um, Chase, very, very expensive tonight. Uh, I, I do, again, prefer the Ravens side. Lamar Jackson, you know, he's not running as much as he was in years past. Um, he's only been an optimal captain four times in the past three oh, seasons. Wow. So uh, I, I don't really look towards him. Zay Flowers, I don't know what it is about Zay Flowers. I just can't really get, I, I don't know if it's, the guy passing the ball or what, but I just can't really get behind him as that high upside DFS play. We saw it, I think, week one maybe, and, you know, I don't think we've seen another, like, monster game from Flowers since. So um, it's a tough call on captain tonight for sure. I, I think I'm leaning my favorite captain towards uh, Mark Andrews. I, I, wow, I, I'm stunned by that Jackson number. Yeah. That You know, because I, I would assume, is he going to be the most – heavily owned captain tonight would that be your guess just because what we think of lamar jackson over the previous years but gosh the numbers don't really support that call do they yeah not at all um i think yeah i think jackson jamar chase and potentially like a tyler boyd um being priced so low could be super popular place tonight a captain ryan i'm gonna do it too and i'm sorry and by that i mean we were just talking kickers before we brought you in um <laughs> We've got two good kickers, McPherson and Tucker. What is the role of the kicker in a showdown slate? Do you ever go in that direction? And if you had yeah. to go in that direction tonight, which one of the guys would you lean toward? Yeah, so, you know, you want to look at kickers when you've got lower scoring games um, as they're more uh, likely to outscore some of the high-end wide receivers and running backs. Um I think about probably about 50% of showdown slates have a kicker in that optimal lineup. So uh, you don't want to play two kickers in an optimal lineup. That happens, I think, like 2% of uh, optimal lineups over the past three seasons. So you definitely want to look at just one. Again, I'm leaning Ravens tonight. So I think Justin Tucker, for me, uh, not dealing with much wind here tonight. So uh, if I had to throw one in, and I probably will, it would be Tucker. Would you check somebody into the sanitarium if they said they're going to captain Justin Tucker? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. Don't Put do that. Their yeah. Well, have we ever seen like the, the, I'm sure we've seen it. I mean, hundreds of games. There, there's got to be at least a 2% chance of the place kicker being the top captain, right? 1%. 1%. Okay. Yeah. I, I gave way too much credit to those place kickers. Uh, Ryan Clifford with us again. Check out the column. He'll be in Discord uh, throughout the day into the night, as well as the rest of our fantasy analysts. Uh, we mentioned low scoring. You know, in today's NFL, Ryan, 46 is a pretty big number. So what do you see on, the, on that game total, under or over the 46? Um, I've got it going slightly under. I had it quite a bit under earlier in the week when weather looked like it might be a concern, but I, it doesn't seem like weather is going to be much of a concern. Uh, I've got 27, 17 Ravens. Okay. Uh, if you're looking for punts, which are always important, you know, guys under 500 bucks or so, check out Ryan's column. He'll have some names there uh, that you can uh, slot in on the back end of your build. Uh, so do check it out. Uh, column will be posted here momentarily, fantasyguru.com. Ryan, a pleasure. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll probably be visiting uh, next Monday uh, with the biggie, Philadelphia and Kansas City. That'll be a lot of fun Monday night. Yeah, thanks, guys. You bet. Ryan Clifford hanging out with us, talking a little showdown. Um, Ray, it's, it's kind of fun to play these showdowns. I don't know if you've ever gotten involved, but uh, we, we like to say, oh, it's only two teams, but Man, if you find a hit with one of those punts, you know, the $500 player, and he just gets like a touchdown for eight yards, it vaults you up. 
into the rankings. So if you can find that guy, and Ryan does a good job of it, you can find that guy, Ray. That's how you win the showdown slate, or at least win cash for the showdown yeah. slate. I'm not a big DFS guy. You know, I cover it for uh, fantasyviewer.com for the baseball. I do the cash game breakdown Monday through Friday. And I am more of a cash game player. So to me, the idea of this slate is too random. Like I wouldn't play one game slates. I don't like in baseball. I don't like playing four or five game slates. Like I like a little more diversity because I don't, I don't want it to feel like you said, punt. You're not punting. There's strategy to it, but it's so random, you know, one game, there's only two sides. So I, I don't think I've ever played a showdown slate, to be honest. Uh, and it just it's not the style of game that attracts me. I'd look for more of the, the bigger fields and, and play the cash game setup. 815 uh, tonight. In terms of the season-long fantasy player, Ray, anything out of the ordinary here? I mean, I'm you know, Lamar Jackson owner, Joe Burrow, a chase. You know, these guys are Mark Andrews. These guys are starters. Zay Flowers probably still registers as a top mm-hmm. 35 wide receiver, top 30 maybe even. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Mixon, you got to start him. I guess the big question is the backfield and Gus Edwards. It's hard to, to keep him out of a lineup, right? He's, he's the guy inside the five yard line. And for a Keaton Mitchell owner, um, you know, if you've got him, I guess, use him. I, I wasn't a big proponent of spending up and adding him. But if you have him, do you have to use him tonight, considering what we've seen the last two games? Well, I mean, Gus Edwards played twice as many snaps as Mitchell. This might surprise people. He ran twice as many routes as Mitchell. He's the only guy at the goal line. Um, You know, uh, Justice Hill was the third down back last week. So, you know, this goes back to what we talked about. You know, Gus Edwards scores a touchdown. He's got seven touchdowns in four games. So Gus Edwards is the best start in this backfield. I think ideally Justice Hill would kind of be a guy and they'd have kind of thunder and lightning with Edwards and Mitchell. That's kind of my assumption of where they would be. But, you know, they talk about Mitchell seeing his role expand. We talked about this, like you expand the guy's role and he gets seven touches and he plays 21 snaps. Like I just, you know, again, slate playing that. Okay. Seasonal. I'm starting Edwards. I'm really struggling to feel confident about starting Mitchell. Going to close it down with some baseball, but... Before we do, we've got some good questions in the chat room. Uh, starting with Chris, this is season long. He's got, so you can see it there. Sam Howell's my QB. Ridley's my wide receiver three. Tonight is the trading deadline. Ray, would you trade Calvin Ridley for Justin Fields and Jackson Smith in Jigma? I think it's tough because JSN has done much better, right? He's catching three, four, maybe five passes a week. You know, he's involved in the offense. I don't know how his role grows. Unless Lockett, who's dealing with the hamstring, or Metcalf, who's had some bumps and bruises too. Unless one of those two guys are out, I just can't see JSN's role increasing. So if I was adding JSN to be a depth play and I'm going to get, you know, four catches for 48 yards, that's cool. But as a wide receiver three, you know, nine, 10 points doesn't really work. Now, Ridley, Ridley's had weeks where he's got three points, right? So he's not a lockdown guy. I think ultimately that it comes down to, you know, do you need a quarterback? I don't think you need a quarterback if you have Hal, but if I had Hal, I wouldn't mind getting a quarterback. I think Justin Fields can be a league winner down the stretch here. I don't think Sam Hal can be. I don't mind this trade, but if I made the trade, I would still I would still be searching the waiver wire something to see if I could boost that wide receiver because whether it's Ridley or JSN, I feel like we need another guy. Here is a, a question specific to tonight. Henry do I go Lamar Jackson or C.J. Stroud? Remember, Houston's up against Arizona. Jackson tonight against the Bengals. Uh, we talked about Jackson earlier in the week, Ray. Uh, Bengals are doing fine. You know, people think they're a true contender. 
Fantasy-wise, though, Lamar Jackson uh, kind of leaving a lot to be desired at this point. He is, and we talked about this in the Elite Sports Show. I'm on there every Wednesday with Jeff Manns, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. And both Jeff and I were of the same opinion. It's that, as dumb as this sounds, here's what we both thought. Against anyone at any time, any matchup, Lamar Jackson can go for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Against anyone. It doesn't matter, right? And so it's extremely hard for that reason to ever bench him. It's extremely hard to say to yourself, you know, you drafted Lamar Jackson, but now I'm not going to play him. This is the Lamar Jackson experience. This has been the Lamar Jackson experience since his first start in the NFL. C.J. Stroud has done great, but he is, despite a rushing touchdown last week, right? He's a pocket passer. And, you know, we've talked about Nico Collins not being fully healthy. We've talked about Noah Brown not being fully healthy. We've talked about Damian Pierce not being fully healthy. I'm still going Lamar Jackson, Kyle. I'm looking at Jackson earlier this year against Cincinnati, 237 through the air, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, in terms of on the ground, he had 12 carries for 54 yards. That was week two. That's a good week. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you look at his career against Cincinnati last year, 174 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He had 58 yards rushing. He missed the second game. He also missed the second game against Cincinnati uh, two years ago. But in the first game against the Bengals, let's see. There we are, 15 to 31, 257, a touchdown, 88 rushing. Ray, in the last three games, he's been at least 50 yards rushing against the Bengals. Now, I'm not going to say he's exactly the same guy. I actually don't discount Stroud this week. I I might go Stroud here. I think tonight's going to be a fairly tight defensive affair. I think this game's not going to offer a lot of offense. I would take the under. I think Stroud going against Arizona, Ray, that that should be 25 points for the Texans. Arizona is, I don't want to say they're horrible defensively, but they're not a difference maker on defense. Uh, Houston will be home. It's still dangerous. Ray's right. The ceiling is probably still with Jackson. And anytime you think you've got Lamar Jackson figured out or he stinks or he's great, he kind of flips the script. Because it, it feels like a lot of times, right, it's like, oh, he's the best quarterback in mm-hmm. fantasy football. Then he goes quiet for three weeks. And right mm-hmm. now he's been quiet. So there is the risk it could totally blow up in your face. Um, I, I like Stroud, but if you don't want to be the person with egg on your face, if that's going to kill you, if Jackson goes off, just go with Jackson for tonight. And let me ask you this, because, again, I, I was different 15 years ago. Now I tell people for the majority of leagues, setups, all this kind of stuff, you want one quarterback because this happens. Because you bench guy number nine to play guy number eight. You bench guy number eight, and he's number 10. Like, Stroud yeah. and Lamar Jackson should both be playing. Well, you're probably going to have week. this decision every week. Like, yeah. the rest of the season, right? You're probably going to be looking at these two guys like, who the hell should I start? And so does that actually – because in theory, I got two great guys. That's good. I'm stopping my opponent from having one. I'm giving myself options. But in practice, I don't know if it works. Because how often do you make the wrong decision? So, you know, again, I'm – you. You don't give these guys away in the trade. You don't drop them. I get that. But having two guys that are very similar in most weeks in terms of how you look at them, it's tough to make a choice each week. And finally, Aaron in the chat room, non-PPR, he gets two of these five. Uh, Nakua, Javante Williams, Najee, James Conner, and James Ford. What's your choice, Ray? Yes! That's my answer. All of them. (laughs) Sometimes these questions come in. I'm like, boy, I wish I had that team. Um, Stafford is likely to be back. I think everyone's expecting that to happen. He obviously makes the offense better. 
Uh, same time, he's not been a touchdown thrower this year. There's uncertainty there with the team. What are they going to get out of the backfield? I think they want to obviously establish Puka, but they've got to reestablish Cooper Cup. Uh, I, I'm, I'm seeing 13, 14 targets, Cooper Cup City, and we'll see what's left with Puka. So I struggle to play him in a non-PPR. I, I think the best options would be um, Najee Harris, excuse me, James Conner and Javante Williams. Now, again, this is really tough because all these guys are kind of in the – you know, 80 yard range, maybe to 100 scrimmage yards, and it really comes down to the touchdown. But I think Javante Williams has really asserted himself. He's got over 40 carries the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's he's becoming the running back in the Sean Payton offense that we thought he would be. So he's in, and then I'm going Connor over Harris. Connor, you know, didn't see any work in the passing game. You talked earlier about Michael Carter being added, so that dings him a little bit, even in non PPR because we're not looking at maybe 30 extra yards here. But he gets all the work, just like Joe Mixon. Gets all the work. Uh, he's the goal line back. So Connor and Javante Williams for me. Yeah, my, my initial reaction rate was going to be Ford. But as we've seen in, in the last few weeks, Kareem Hunt is kind of getting the work. I am not saying that's the way it's going to be. But we've seen a lot of Hunt uh, down there at the goal line. So uh, I agree. It's it's uh, Javante Williams I totally agree with. Connor's a little dangerous if that game gets out of hand, but mm -hmm. I, I still think he's the guy in this backfield. We could see DeMarcado back this week, but I don't think it's enough to, to dissuade you from James Connor. Uh, really appreciate the questions in there. Uh, what was it? Henry, Aaron, uh, Chris, I think it was. Great stuff from you guys. So keep them coming as we come at you live each and every day. Facebook, x.com, YouTube, wherever you're at, you can hunt us down there. Before we get out of here, Ray, uh, we talked quickly. Major League Baseball, uh, AL MVP, NL MVP. I don't like this, but baseball now gives us finalists. Finalists in the AL, Ray. Otani, Seager, and Simeon. Seager missed a month, maybe six weeks, but was really good. Mm -hmm. Simeon played every single day, had a super year. Otani missed the last month plus. Ray, I'm still going Otani. Is, is that where you land even with the missed time down the stretch? Yeah, and you said it at the start of the, the show today. I mean, I don't know how, honestly. You make an argument that when a guy's an all-star caliber hitter and an all-star caliber pitcher, that he's not the MVP. And he is the greatest baseball player we've ever seen, probably the greatest baseball player who's ever lived. Uh, that's just the facts. And, you know, it's remarkable. He's doing all these amazing things. And to your point, he didn't play a whole month. He didn't play a whole month, and he's still at the leaderboard on everything offensively and all that. I, I think it's Otani. I think the bigger question probably is who's number two because Seager was fantastic. But like you said, Simeon played every day. He was there every Simeon. day. Simeon's my guy. Yeah, it's really tough. And, and that's one thing. Simeon, listen to this. 159, 162, 162, 161, 162. He's the Iron Man of baseball right now, and that does stand for an awful lot. Yeah, he had great totals. I mean, he drove in 100 runs as a leadoff hitter. Yeah. And, and that speaks a lot to that Rangers offense, but uh, hugely impressive there. In the NL, we talked about it a bit. It's uh, Acuna or Betts. Freeman is on this list, and you kind of feel awful just discounting him because he was Freddie Freeman again. Ray, I'm an Acuna guy. Um, and, hey, if somebody wanted to argue Betts, I get it. You know, mm -hmm. most valuable player, this guy bounced all around the diamond for a team that was beat up. You know, and, and that's worth something, but Acuna... That's a true superstar. And honestly, Ray, I fear Acuna as much as anybody in baseball when he's standing at the plate. The guy just crushes the ball and he's exciting. The stolen bases, like I, it's got to be Acuna for me. Yeah. And you look at Betts 107 games in right field, 70 games at second base, 16 games at shortstop. Wow. 
for a really good team. This is not for, you know, the second division team that won 72 games. This is for a really good team. And he was excellent. You know, 987 OPS is tremendous. There was a time where he was stealing, you know, 25, 30 bases. He's now about half that. So I think in comparison to Cunha, it makes it really difficult to get super excited about him. But again, I, I'm not going to disagree and say it shouldn't be Acuna. Let's go Acuna. Yeah. But it, it should be close. It, it should, this shouldn't be 28 votes for Acuna and two for bets. It should be close. We'll find out tonight, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern. I think MLB Network will announce it live. Uh, we'll talk about it a bit tomorrow. Also tomorrow, recap of everything going down between the Bengals and the Ravens. We'll get you set for the remainder of Week 11 in the NFL. And we will talk some college football going into another big Saturday in that sport. Of course, we break down the DFS side of all things college football. So we'll do that tomorrow on the show, 11 a.m. Eastern for the live viewing and listening. Um, other than that, you can always uh, download us at your leisure and listen to us at your leisure wherever you find your podcast, I think is how they say it. Uh, Ray, good stuff today. Appreciate it. As always, enjoy the game tonight. We'll uh, get back together on Friday, okay? Sounds like a plan, Cal. That'll do it for us. We hope you enjoyed it. Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.